You gonna be a football player when you grow up? This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've been in football all my life. All right, check it out, you guys. Uh, the Raiders are or the Raider, Raider Nation um, putting on a show. Uh, for Raider Nation, and they're bringing the Bay to the Bay. Don't miss out on the biggest Raider Nation party to date, going down with special guests, host, and East Oakland original Raider, Too Short, who will be performing live along with RBL Posse and more live performances in the building. It'll be at the Fremont Country Club on Saturday, January 8th. It's going down at the Fremont Country Club, January 8th. Too Short. Come on. I mean, it's, it's one of the, like, it's, I know he didn't perform in Oakland for Lincoln County, like <laughs> I said yesterday, but he's definitely performing uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, check it out. Go get your tickets at thenationparty.eventbrite.com. That's thenationparty.eventbrite.com. Punch in the code word HUDDLE to get 10% off uh, your tickets. Uh, go check it out. It's for a good cause. Uh, it's going to be great music all the whole nine yards, so, so go check it out. Too short in the house. Uh, the night before the Raiders played the Los Angeles Chargers in Lincoln, what could very well be a game that determines Without a, a doubt. lot of different things. What? Yeah. How great would it be? I know you know, can't put the uh, cart ahead of the horse here. Uh, it's all about the Denver Broncos this week, but how great would it be if that game – really had something on the line you know it, it really would be fun it's 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 fun to be rewarded with postseason it shows you know it, it shows how much your hard work is, is is paying off and there are very few teams to be that play in postseason uh seven in each conference yeah, so so that you know with that being said you know 14 out of the 32 teams are playing for a chance to go to the super bowl anything can happen once you get in Anything can happen. It, it can bounce your way. We've seen wild card teams go on championship runs. Uh, we've seen teams that even have you know the first round bye get get out it early um, after their bye. So uh, anything can happen. You just got to get in it to play, and you, you got to get a chance to showcase your talents even more once you get into postseason play. You know, and one thing that needs to happen for that to happen for the Raiders is when they got to get. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, on top of that. Uh, which this goes uh, part and parcel to that uh, to that theory um, and that thought and that reality, they got to get things squared away at home, Lincoln. Um, you know, and I talked to Derek Carr about this earlier today. In fact, in, in in terms of, you know, the Raiders are five and ten at home in the mm-hmm. first fifteen games of the Legion Stadium. Mm-hmm. That's not the number you no. want to be at, obviously. No. Now, asking Derek today, you know, what's what's the issue? Like, is there? Is it a routine thing? Is it, you know, uh, letting down your guard a little bit because, you know, there's a false sense of security because you're home? You know, that kind of builds a little bit of like, oh, you know, we're at home. We can, you know, like subliminally, whatever the case might be. Maybe it's not something outward, but somewhere along the line, your your, your inner self, you know, creates this uh, false sense of security because you're at home. Um, now, a couple of things, Lincoln, and I want to get to your thoughts on this because you've been an NFL player. You've played at home. You've played on the road, you know, uh, and you know the difference. And there's a different vibe to each mm-hmm. without question. Um, all right. So last year, we can almost throw last year out, right? There were no fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. So as Derek talked about today, it was kind of like a scrimmage, you know, yeah. when, when they played at home last year. So that was a very weird situation. Crazy. You crazy. could hear everything from the press box the 400 level right it's nuts (laughs) it was nuts last year it was eerie to be honest with you um this year is far different you know you have 
fans in the stands. And I know that there's been fans of other teams at Allegiant Stadium. That was to be expected. It's just kind of how it is. Um, but for the most part, Lincoln, I think I would say exclusively every single game, while there were a lot of fans of other teams there, it was still a, a, um, the, a Raiders crowd. There were more Raider fans yeah. than any other than any other uh, you know team that they've played this year. So uh, they had the edge in, in that regard. But for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to hold serve. Uh, consistently at home, five and ten again. You take out the eight games of, of last year, I guess it would be uh, that they played at home, uh, that they had a losing record in last year. But in, but this year, I think they're three and five or two, something something along those lines uh, this year, and they just can't afford to have that be the case. Obviously, moving forward over these two out of these next three games are here at Allegiant Stadium. But what is it about playing home sometimes that is? difficult compared to playing on the road. Is There's it? nothing that's difficult to play about playing at home. And what's plagued the Raiders is that the fact that they've been inconsistent and lack of focus. I mean, we talked about it. You don't. There's no reason why you have a guard who has a false start or when you can hear the cadence. Right. Or or you, you get a defensive lineman to jump um, or, you know, and, 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 and have a, you know, when he can hear the cadence or whatever, uh, um, it, you, you, there's no reason in the hard count. You know, you jump off sides and nose guard jumps off sides when he's right over the ball. How, how do you do that? Explain right. that to me. What are you looking at? Are you listening for the cadence? I mean, it, it, you, you sh- it's not that hard, especially at home when you have a crowd. You're not going to really hear it. So the ball's right in front of your face. And all of a sudden, you, you move, you jump off sides. I, I, I don't get that. But. That's what has plagued the Raiders, the inconsistencies. You know, you look at the Kansas City game last time Kansas City was here. You know, you talk about the drives that got extended by, by penalties. Penalties probably could have been avoided uh, on, 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 on the drives for, uh, for Kansas City's offense Me, uh, by the Raiders' defense. Um, and then penalties caused by our offense that stalled our drives. First, fourth, down, and one, you bring in Mariota, you have your, your guard jumps off sides. Where the hell are you going? <laughs> right. All you right. Know? Okay, so, so – um... I guess let me ask you this way. Is there anything to the routine? Um, what's what's so different about – I mean, I, I, obviously you get on an airplane, you know, you're staying at a hotel. There's a kind of a galvanizing element to going on the road. It's just you and your, your, yeah. your, your teammates and the staff, you know, and, um, you know, you're going into enemy territory. You love playing on the road. I don't think anyone – I don't. Th- I have never talked to anyone that didn't like playing on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just a, a, a great experience, and ter- especially when you can shut them up. The challenge, absolutely. The challenge, absolutely. Right. Conversely, when you're at home, you want to give your crowd something to cheer about, right? You know, and, and I, that's what that's what I took pride in. I want when we want to try to defend home turf and, and home field advantage. When we come out, when we want the crowd to make noise, we want them to make noise. We want them to be quiet. We want them to be quiet. I don't need Derek Carr out there flapping his legs. Like, keep it down. Keep it down. A crowd should be smarter than that. Hey, dumbasses! You don't cheer when we're on offense. Well, I, you know? I, 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 I do. I do think that some of that's the other t- team's fans. That well, I mean, that. but at the same point, it should not be to the extent where Derek, if Derek, if you're at home and you're telling the crowd to calm down, you're not focused on the task at hand of calling the damn play, or you can't hear. And if the crowd, you're, you're home, if the, if that, if if you're hearing that much noise from the visiting fans from the visiting team then something's very wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, and, you know, Derek kind of touched on that today. He was like, look, we shouldn't rely on the crowd to give us energy. We right. need to give the crowd energy. That's exactly right. And That's so, exactly right. Right. And, and, and the way they've played sometimes at home, you know, that Cincinnati Bengal game, the, the Cleveland or the uh, Chicago Bears game come to mind, where they 
played so poorly <laughs> that they they didn't give their fans anything to really cheer about. And conversely, they gave the other team's fa- uh, fans something to cheer about. Right. So when the Bears got a lead or when the Bengals got a lead or whoever, yeah, th- those two games in particular, um, the Chiefs as well, all of a sudden the, the crowd, uh, you know, uh, w- was into it because their team was now winning. And so like on third down or whatever for the Raiders offensively, it became – a loud fest for those fans who came to life because the Raiders weren't playing good. Well, and I get it. I mean, that's that's also part of the, you know where I say no, no one's above the boo. If you're playing like crap, you wouldn't you can't really expect the fans to 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 want to cheer even want to no, come to the game. Not at all. Yeah, you can't fault them for for selling their tickets and not wanting to be there. But it's just it's unnerving to me to see the home quarterback waving his hands like keep it down, yeah, keep it down. Yeah. I mean that. That to me it says so many things that are wrong. First of all, if it is the other the visiting team's fans, they're not going to shut down, shut it down, shut down because you say put you know calm down. No, they're going to get louder. They're going to get louder, right? So so that's unnerving. And if it's your own home fans, if they're cheering after a big play, I get it. But they obviously your home fans need to be a little bit smarter of who's on who's in play on offense. And even if the 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 PA announcer comes over, fans keep it down. You know, after announcing a play, whatever they do, if they even do that in legion no. i don't know because i'm calling it but you know the, you, you would have somebody uh you, you would say something you know offense at work or have it flash on the scoreboard or something quiet down i mean that's better than my quarterback i don't want him focused on that i don't want to focus on the noise you right. know what i'm saying i don't want you concerned about the noise get the play in let's call it and let's go what was your routine on a home game weekend my routine as far as what game day same yeah. time every same same thing every day whether home on the road what do you mean routine well you know um you've got your family you're, yeah. you're staying at home like what like what what was different about playing at home in that regard like not forget the off uh, forget the on field um you know like the on the off field preparation the night before uh-huh. like i'm just trying to figure out reasons why they've come out as slop i know it's focused but sometimes you they've break. been flat whether they've been on the road or at home sometimes times yeah this season. i i just can't remember a time except for those two games against the broncos and the philadelphia eagles where um, you know they, they they brought it from the get go, uh, but in other games, whether it was in losses or even in wins, they had to come yeah. back from behind. Well, they start off slow, notoriously throughout the year, right? Yeah, except it's for a couple a, of times on like yeah, right. But like in general too, because this did, you know, uh, this 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 is kind of a carryover from last year as well. Yeah, it's just. Like, like, um, you know, sometimes family can be a distraction. People. Well, I mean, it. look, most coaches, and again, I don't know this coaching staff. I don't know their routine, but I do think they check in the hotel the night before, right? They do. Yeah. Okay, and then they go to the stadium from there uh, at home games. So that routine remains the same, whether you drive your own car, or you take the team bus, or whatever. You know, depending on you know what you do, go back and forth to the hotel, or you have your own. You know, you go with the security force because you know there's going to be an escort. Right. Um, Love the escort, know, by the way. The, the 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 preparation that goes into that is is pretty much similar or the same. It's again, I think, uh, what what has plagued this team all season, Vinny, is just inconsistencies and lack and and lack of uh, uh, focus, and and, and it's, it's the small things. Yeah. But the small things that resonate so big in a team game, you know, little things like uh, uh, you know you you have fourth and one and you jump off sides now it becomes fourth and six you have to punt you lose a possession to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you you go, you get an interception or a turnover. You run it back to the eight yard line. You have first down and goal on the eight yard line, and a, you got a turnover, and you only get three out of it. 
and then you have a hard time scoring after that. That's, that's that was good. a tone setter right there. That's is exactly right, and that's the thing. Those 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 small miscues, those small mistakes resonate throughout the game. The fact that uh, Alex Leatherwood jumped off sides on that fourth and one, fourth and six, now you have the punt it. You lose a possession against the Kansas City Chiefs, a high-potent offense. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 and, and, and you're right because it has an averse impact on you and a positive one on the other guy. Absolutely. It doesn't matter who they are. You know, Absolutely. Whether it's Kansas City, Cincinnati, Chicago, I don't care who it is. Those are professional athletes, and they're going to try to take advantage. Anytime you give them a freebie, you know, all right, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just kind of it's, it's a little bit perplexing, and I know that the crowd has been behind the Raiders, and I know that, you know, it's, it's ready to explode in a lot of ways. Um, at home and and just kind of anxious to see uh, what that looks like and feels like. But really, to be honest with you, the Raiders have to cooperate, Lincoln. They have got to give them something to cheer about. Right. You want you want the people to be happy. You want the people to come to the games. Give them something to cheer about. I mean, Vegas, let's face it. Vegas is not cheap. Even you live there. You know, it's not cheap. So you're talking about people who are coming in from out of town. Cheaper one than of the, where I came from. Well, I mean, that, well, it's a, a little bit different, but at the same <laughs> point, it's not. It's still a city that's run on money, right? Yes. So whether you're going out to eat, whether you're staying in a hotel, you're talking about a lot of people who are or transplants or or people who are coming down for the games, specifically for the games, spending their hard-earned money throughout the weekend to see that performance? Yeah, that's that gets disappointing. There, there were times where I wanted to put the bag over my head and I got to call the game. I work for him. I told you that. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Well, I don't know. I won't. I won't. I'm, I'm prideful, but I'm just saying, if you play like crap, you know, why would you expect people to support crap? It's so, you, yeah, and so it's 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 so eerie because you, you, you almost feel like, even in the press box, you can kind of, oh, boy, it's going to be one of those days. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's hard. It's really hard because, the you know, when we see each other, like either at the breaks or halftime, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, yeah, it's disappointing. Oh, just go. Oh, man. <laughs> just well, go they can't stop this. They can't stop it. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to report on. I know you have a hard time doing it too. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Um, in spite of it all, and this is why I keep circling back to this. And and I would imagine you know the Raiders are are you know uh, amongst themselves. I'm sure they talk about it and are trying to get over. It. And I, I I don't question anybody's effort there. Um, you know, I think for the most part, they've got strong leadership, but I think that for the most part, uh, their hearts are all in the right place. Their, their, uh, their uh, priorities are all in the right place for the most part, you know, and you're, you're obviously dealing with 70 some odd dudes. So there's going to be some guys that, you know, uh, waltz off the reservation from time to time. We've seen that. Um, but I think, you know, they, they, they do want this. I sometimes wonder, you know, especially with the young team, Sometimes you play anxious at home too, you know, like where you're just not that you're trying to please, but there there feels like there's a little, a little more pressure at home because you want to do all the right things, and and sometimes young players for whatever reason uh, have a difficulty, you know, uh, uh, honoring that or, or 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 reacting to that. I remember sometimes with Lakers, they would play for a little, you know, sometimes worse at home than they did on the road. I never could quite understand it, but. Um, Whatever it was, going sometimes going on the road and having that us against them mentality and and nobody believes in us and all that type of stuff, it actually works to your favor. Whether uh, um, rather than playing at home, where a lot, 
in a lot of ways, the pressure's on you. You're supposed to play good at home, Lincoln. Well, yeah, but I mean, but here's the thing, and this is where I think that you have to use the the terminology or think of it as professional. Yeah, you should always want to succeed, no matter whether you're home or away. Okay, and you should always be focused on the task at hand, no matter you're home or away. Now, it makes it more difficult. Obviously, when I talk about communication, communication is more difficult on the road than it is at home. Right, you got the opposing fans yelling at you. However, that's why you have to get that chemistry with the guys that are playing next to you. So even if I can't hear you, I know what the play is, and I can read the defense. I know what we're going to do together. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, or even if, if, if we're going off with a silent snap, how you can anticipate, you know, on Andre James' head what, what's going to go on. And if I can hear it, there's really no reason for me to jump off sides. You know, you being at home, fourth and one, and you've got your, this is a big play, big game. If you're anxious, you need to control your emotions because you're becoming counterproductive if you're not focused on the task at hand. You jump off sides and we have to punt, that's a waste of drive. Yeah, and, um, you know, and it's happened. We've seen it happen so yeah. many times before, and it is, it's perplexing. You just want to shake your head and go, what? how is that happening? But uh, here's what I will say. It can't happen anymore. I mean, no, it's, no. It's, they've left themselves zero cushion, zero. There's no more parachute. <laughs> they're, right. they're flailing, you know, falling to the ground right now, um, and, and, and they need to figure it out. And I, I, the recipe is there. We've seen the recipe. We've seen them follow the recipe and cook up, you know, some good performances, enough to really put themselves in, in this kind of position. Uh, but I'm just so curious and really so fascinated to figure out, are they going to be able to do it? Um, and here's a question that I have for you as, as we're watching some of these you know, uh, recent games, seeing what Deshaun Johnson or Deshaun Johnson, Deshaun Jackson did uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, why can't that be replicated m- more than, than what it has been so far this year? I, I think that they, what they didn't consider is that his age and the wear and tear on his body. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I just don't think he, I don't think that he can go on average, Vinny, uh, these days, you usually have about 65, 70 snaps on average, somewhere around there, yeah. right? Or, or maybe even less. I can't remember because um, I did a lot of college games where they run high tempo. Um, but um, you, you can't the, – the, the game he played in Dallas, he played 41 snaps. You you can't he can't he can't play forty one snaps every day. No. Well he there was a a, a point of diminished returns when he did. Yeah. He hurt and himself. Then, and then so so on so the next thing is is that um uh, when when you when you think about what he can do, if you bring him in on special or certain occasions, defenses are going to key on it. Oh, the Sean's coming in, so they're going to try to go after Sean. Right. And the um and the the game uh after the Dallas game who they play after Dallas? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, they yeah. lost to the Washington football team. Washington football team. Anytime number one was on the field, they had a safety over the top no matter where he was going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you learn from that. You fast forward to even you go to the Cleveland game. Now, this time when they brought in Deshaun Jackson, there, there's only really two routes that Deshaun was – well, three routes. There's a deep comeback, there's an angle route, and there's a go route. Right. If he's only playing 21 snaps at a time, you have to know – like that, that, that second interception that he threw to Zay Jones, it was supposed to go to Deshaun Jackson because he had the deep angle route. The same route that they had success in the Dallas game right. had that route wide open. Right. You know, and, but it, it didn't go to him. He forced it to Zay, and that was the interception. So my, I say that to say this, that the last thing you want to do is be predictable when number one comes on the field. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you wanted to be able to take advantages of of, of the opportunities that are there when he is up. There Absolutely. Too, other than Absolutely. Oh, it's just a wasted snap for him. So then it becomes combo routes with him and Zay stretching the field. But in order to do that, you got to have protection. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> it always goes back to the offensive line. Absolutely. Without a, without a doubt, that's the way it starts. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonser and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bajado, Raider Nation, Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Lincoln, you brought up um, college football and how they go up-tempo all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Gary Danielson told a great story. That I that I heard, um, and it was in relations to uh, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. They're really good friends, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gary Danielson was talking about when when he played that. Um, I think Saban might have been a coordinator, or no, um, Bill Belichick was was on the Detroit Lions staff when when he played there. And what he said was, you know, Bill Belichick was just a master at being able to get a read on an opposing offense, their tendencies, mm-hmm. like literally like where, 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 where guys put their hands, mm-hmm. you know, li- how they lined up, all of that. Uh, because, you, you know, and, and at that time, it was a much more moderate pace that teams played at, you know, offensively, yeah. teams huddled up, all that kind of stuff, right? So, uh, so they were able to like sneak some wins, you know, because they had such a great read on Certainly. you know uh, other other teams, and now Saban was his defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns, Bill Belichick's. So he was kind of cut from that same cloth. Mm-hmm. And so when he got to when he was at Alabama, you know, when you think about Saban early on at Alabama, they were winning like seventeen to ten, right? Yeah, defensive games, running the football. Yeah, right, defensive games, running the football, where he was able to also utilize. That ability, yep. you know, to really figure out an offense, match up, you know, and you're you're looking at the huddle, you're you're um, getting your personnel groupings uh, in there in time to match up with what the offense is doing, right. and then you know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, all this pro- proliferation of the hurry up offense and the spread out offense, and it eliminated all things like tendencies and being able to get a good read on teams and being able to match up. You know, personnel groupings, because sometimes you get caught up in the wrong uh, personnel grouping and a team's never going to the huddle. They're just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You can't make substitutions uh, in time, you know, to, to, to deal with that. So uh, Nick Saban is complaining to Bill Belichick one day uh, saying, man, you know, this has ruined everything. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's taken away our ability to do this. It's taken away our ability to do that. I can't get it. And Bill Belichick just looked at him and said, well. I guess you're just going to have to figure out a way to score more points, <laughs> you right. know, because right. it ain't going to win. You're not going to win games like that anymore. Yeah. So that's when Nick Saban brought in a, you know, some offensive coordinators like right. Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian right. and the guys. Open it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. And yeah. But it, it did show you that, um, you know, being able to evolve as a coach is extremely uh, important because he could have been bullheaded and stubborn and say, no, this is how we're going to do it. And some coaches are like that, Lincoln. Uh, yeah, he said, "Okay, well, what do I got to do?" And uh, he will. Here's this is the way contemporary offense. These are the things that teams are doing now to score, you know, thirty right. points against you. Right. This is what you're going to have to do conversely. And then the monster was created with the with Alabama because uh, it's just been one great quarterback now after another. Well, you know, here's 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 what I would say about Alabama. The, the, the success from Alabama stems from the fact that they've got 
highly qualified guys recruits sitting on the bench waiting for their time to play. That's exactly that's the that, yeah. If they I mean, they're if three, they're, they're, if three they're, deep they're, at every position almost. If their right tackle wasn't playing well, there would be no yeah. issue going to the bench no. to find somebody that's could yeah. be just as good or better. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's one of the things that strengths. But to your point, the the beauty of coaching is being able to adjust your philosophy or what you want to do with the players that you have. You utilizing their strengths and trying to cover up as much of their weaknesses as you can. Look, when Bill Belichick played against, when the, the Raiders played against the Patriots last year, you know, and they were struggling on offense, what Bill Belichick did to, to Derek Carr was he would confuse him. He would make it look like zone and they would play man and conversely. And now you see the Tennessee Titans doing the same thing. So complex coverages were, were took away a lot of the pre-snap read that Derek wanted to go with the football. So when he a lot of times in that Patriot games, he, he got the football. He was ready to go one spot. Oh, it's taken away. Now I got to hold the ball. Scramble. Now the pressure gets to him and he ends up getting sacked and it nullifies the offense and stuff like that. So, uh, but that's just, that's, that's just great coaching. And that's what you expect, especially on this level. You, you expect to adjust. Look, look at the way the Rams have adjusted their game. Now, uh, watching last night the Seattle game, uh, look at the way when McVay has adjusted, now having Matthew Stafford at the, at quarterback versus when he had Jared Goff. He's going a lot more under center. They, they, they use Cooper Cup uh, quite a bit, and, and he's having a phenomenal year. Um, they find ways, even when they're down to receivers, they still find a way to utilize what they have, and they're able to get production out of it. So, I mean, that is just great coaching. That's what you expect to have people adjust and be able to adjust when you learn the limits that you have with the personnel you have. By the way, shout out to Cooper Cup. This dude is a bad man, and oh, I'm yeah, going to no say doubt. right now that um, – you know, I'm going to go all the way back to 2017. It was like April-ish. Uh, or, or, maybe a little bit May-ish, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, OTAs. First time got a chance to see Cooper Cup in an NFL practice. You know, I know it was just shorts and, you know, a helmet. And, you know, wh- what can you really glean from that? This dude was from the get-go, Lincoln, the get-go, roasting defensive backs like oh yeah every oh yeah every way that you could possibly think of in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage just leaving dudes in their dust yeah and the the amount of respect that he earned from the get-go from the raider from the rams defensive backs there i mean like literally almost guys were like clapping even after he just beat their butt happy to have him on your team yes you're like this dude can play right here like this guy can play right here and it's just it's a marvel to see like if if I think Aaron Rodgers is probably the odds-on favorite now to win MVP. Uh, but if if you're if you're looking away from a quarterback, I like Jonathan, um, the running back from Indiana. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. Uh, yeah. It's it's hard. It's it's weird to say that, but I think both players are kind of putting themselves in the running for MVP. You know, when you have. A slot tight, a slot receiver or a tight end that's good. You can make, um, you can do so much in this league, uh, with the way the defenses have to play. Uh, and, and more importantly, as you talk about sort of the, the, the coming of age for Cooper Cup, look, he was toasting Pac 12 schools 
when he was at Eastern Washington. Oh, I talked to him about that. I yeah. mean, I was I was watching him back then. I was like, who is this? Uh, because he just, you know, Eastern Washington didn't obviously didn't have the sign, the shine like the other schools. But he was running routes like that, so I knew he was a he was a, a surefire threat when he came into the league, especially going to the Rams and McVay getting him. So, uh, but yeah, he he's played very well. You know, who's come along and who's developed well, and you uh, already know it because we talked about it. It's Hunter Renfro with Derek Carr, their mm-hmm. chemistry. There. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It, re- it really is. I mean, because you. You, it's the most unlikely, especially the way Hunter runs routes. It, it seems more unlikely that that he is the type of athlete that he is, just from appearance. But you sleep on him in a hill. Oh yeah. And by the way, <laughs> uh, if you're asking who is that guy when you're when you're referring to Cooper Cup against Washington and those guys, yeah, he was the guy that those schools didn't recruit. That's, That's exactly right. <laughs> and he was exactly right. He had a little. Go look at his statistics at Eastern Washington. He against, torched. Oregon, Washington, he torched it. Oh, yeah, look, I, I know, I covered it. I was, My jaw was dropping. I was giving love to Eastern Washington, and I never knew anything about Eastern Washington's program uh, except for a couple quarterbacks and receivers coming he, out of there. He ran a 4 7 40 or 4 6 4 7 40 and dropped to the third round as a result. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost laughable um, how much credence. And you know what? It's so funny about that, Lincoln. Everybody really truly understands and believes and knows. Eh, it doesn't really matter that much. It matter. I mean, it, it it does to some extent. The forty time, it does. All right. I'm not going to say it's meaningless, but in a football sense, it's not as important as you think. But there's just something about an NFL team is just not going to draft a wide receiver in the first round who runs that time, even though everything else is just off the charts. They just it's like this bugaboo. You can't do that. How can you invest a well, first-round pick in a guy that ran 4-6? To, to be fair, when you draft a receiver, and we saw this firsthand when the Raiders got Henry Ruggs, how many times when we, we start, first started on our, doing our show together, how many times people call, call up and say, well, we need to get Henry Ruggs more involved. Why don't we get him more involved? Because people expect it. When you draft a receiver in the first round, they expect you to try to make him a star. Right. You see what I mean? Or focus, a focused player. Um, so I understand the logistics in that and not drafting Cooper Cup in the first round. I can even just address it for the second round. I think he fell in the spot where he is, where he should be as a third round, especially with that 40. Even even amidst all the other intangibles, I just think that it's you're not putting a high priority on a slot receiver. Most offenses don't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, it, it, look it, to to other teams' detriment because he's a good quality receiver. But you didn't, you know, if you go back to slot receivers, you know, the guys that played in New England, they weren't high draft choices. No, you know what I'm saying. I can't remember half their names, but I mean, they they you know you know you know what I'm talking about. Their slot receivers that Brady had, those weren't they weren't high draft choices. No, they became household names eventually in the offense. But it's not a slot receiver is not a top priority for most offenses. So you're not going to use your first or second round pick on that. The Rams, the year that they drafted um, Cooper was McVay's first year, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, so he always tells a story about how um, you know they, they had it down to they had about three or four wide receivers that they really liked at, in that point in the draft, yeah. right? And so they went and just took a whole tour to go visit all those guys. And so uh, they get to they're, they're meeting with Cooper and they put him up on the uh, on the on the uh, uh, chalkboard and and you know uh, McVay is just just, you know, testing him on everything, you know, this coverage, that coverage, whatever. And he's up there just acing it, right? And they had just hired uh, Eric Yarber, who's a wide receiver coach, really good, great coach, actually. Mm -hmm. And kiddingly, 
McVay turned to Yarber and said, you're lucky that I hired you when I did because I'm ready to hire this dude as right. the wide receiver coach because he could go coach it mm-hmm. like right now. That's mm-hmm. how much, you know, how well he understood it. But you're right about Hunter Renfro uh, in terms of the chemistry that he's developed uh, with, with um, you know, with, with Derek Carr. And just amazing how much of a luxury it is to have wide receivers that are where they need to be when they're supposed to be there that can catch that could do something with the ball. I mean, there's something to be said about a trust factor that gets developed. And that's really what the crushing thing was, um, you know, among many crushing things. Obviously, we never lose sight of, of any of this, but uh, I felt like Derek Carr and Henry Ruggs were moving in that direction. Too. Yes, yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It started last year in the Kansas City game in Kansas City, and it carried out through the rest of the year, and it, it came through the, you know, this year as well, the Pittsburgh game and everything before we lost them. Um, you know, the, 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 the Zay Jones touchdown winner and, and, uh, and, and overtime, that was a Henry Ruggs route. And Zay just happened to be on the field when they called it. You know what I mean? When they called it. So, you know, it, it, chemistry is important for a number of reasons, especially when it comes to quarterback and receiver, because every receiver I know runs, say, an out route differently. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, it's, there's no there's no exact – some coaches try to coach it up. You're going to go down five yards and you're going to go cut out. And and uh, a, a lot of times, yeah, depending on the coverage, you might cut it out a little bit sooner or you might not get out quick enough. And, and that takes time to develop, especially because every defensive back is going to probably play you different. They're not all going to play the same. So that's the, the chemistry that the quarterback has to understand. And for a while, for Derek, you know, when Waller went down, Derek actually looked a little lost out there before he, he started finding Hunter Renfro on a more uh, frequent time. He looked a little lost, like, where should I go with the football? And that's a bad thing to have because, you know, you can't, you can't teach chemistry overnight. It's got to be a level of trust and rapport, and more importantly, the results have to be have to manifest to where it comes out with something. Lynn Kennedy's you know, star like. players um, shine in big moments. Absolutely, right? and I, we're we're getting that into that part of the schedule now, where uh, stars need to be stars, and. Um, you know, guys need to deliver, period, exclamation point. I know there's a collective nature to football. Never lose sight of that. Uh, but there's also um, the ability for certain players um, to, to take a step up on that stage and be somebody that, you know, makes their mark in important situations and yeah. important games. Who are you looking to see step up in these next three games? for the, for the Starting with, you know, the Denver game, uh, obviously. But who do you want to see just step up and 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 be so, like a guiding light, somebody that the that that is going to deliver in in big moment? I want this offensive line to step up, yeah, collectively. I mean, I, I think it starts there. I I think that you know I, I remember standing up and clapping when we were at Denver the first time they played and they called a screen, and it was so well timed. I think they got like eighteen yards. I was like, oh my gosh, we finally called a screen and it, and it worked. You know, the, the 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 line had a good game that day. And and I've seen them, you know, struggle. But I think if you're talking about who needs to step up and instill their will collectively, it's the entire offensive line. Yeah. Um, okay. After that, like. Well, I mean, after that, you know, then there's a trickle down effect. I think the quarterback wins trust. He has a better game, mm-hmm. a solid game. You know, I, I think Zay has come into his own. I really like Zay Jones. Uh, I think he's come into his own over the last couple of games. He played hard last week. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that we can get uh, Darren Waller back, but because I'm starting to understand why Foster Moreau is struggling. I mean, it, it's it's every person on this team, both sides of the ball. I think I, I want to see an impact. I want to see Max Crosby come out there and try to get the fans, you know, going and, and go and then sack Drew Locke. I want to see him have a good game, you know. So I want to see Ngakwe have a good game. It's all, all of them. I just want this team to be successful. Wouldn't it be nice if 
Jacobs could go off for like a buck fifty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if it's now, you know, yeah. it hasn't happened all year. Right. How big would it be if it could happen? Um, you know, a couple. It would be of huge. It be it would be huge because it would give them a lot of confidence going into the Indianapolis game. You know. Yeah, I, I remember how I felt after we. There was one one game of block for a, we played the Broncos. It was in Oakland, and I think Napoleon ran for over two hundred twenty-seven yards that day. And we kept calling the same play over and over again. They couldn't stop it. We God, that's got to be a good feeling. Forty-six, forty-seven power, and he had a, he had an awesome game, and it was so rewarding because we were just smashing him. And we were in it was, it was so so fun. Um, but yeah, you know, that would be great if you get if you a running back has a good a day that you're, as an offensive lineman you're sticking out your chest. Because you just know you kicked everybody's ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I, I, I remember many times Todd Gurley uh, uh-huh. hooking up his offensive line. Yep. You know, well, Better take a, care of the hands that take care of you. <laughs> That's right. There was a time when that dude was just a it, beast. Todd Gurley. Yep. Man, I hate injuries in the NFL because we got deprived of a great one because of those knees. And yeah. uh, it would be nice because Josh Jacobs has it in him. Uh, and I know, and we talked earlier, Lincoln, that dude is, he looks like he's raring to go. He's got a little juice right now. Yeah. And if he could get some help from that offensive line, and you just hit the nail on the head, if that offensive line can collectively deliver, there's no reason, none, because yep. he's ready to do it. I believe that. I believe Josh Jacobs is ready to have some go-off games, and it would really, really, really set a tone uh, for the Raiders heading down the stretch. That's what they got him for, and they've preserved him and tried to get him to this point as healthy as possible. That plan has worked. He's where he needs to be physically. We'll see. Uh, that would be a big boost uh, for the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. It is a Wednesday. Interact with the show. Text Benny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Benny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Uh, Coach Tim actually called me right before the game. I'm like, I was sitting at home watching, the, uh, you know, the TV, and I see my phone. I'm like, why is Coach, like, FaceTiming me? Like, it wasn't a regular call. It was a FaceTime. And then when I answered, uh, you know, it was uh, Coach Neves, Coach uh, Smith, and Coach Gus all in the camera. And he was just like, you know, I just wanted to, you know, call you, uh, let you hear from us first, and uh, you made the Pro Bowl. And just like my eyes just opened up, I was just like, oh, like, you know, I ain't say what I wanted to say. But, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, like, I was like, I don't know. It still hasn't hit me yet, but it's a good feeling, though. What, is it, what does it mean to you? Uh, to be recognized by, you know, like my peers and stuff like that, that I'm – uh, I don't know. Like I said, it still hasn't hit me. It means a lot. Uh, you know, just you know, not too many people you know get that selection. No matter how many votes you have, no matter like who you are. But uh, right now, it, it means a lot. It's, you know, I've been in the league seven years. My first time ever being selected or even in the ballot. That was Denzel Perryman uh, going to the Pro Bowl, and rightfully so, uh, Lincoln Kennedy. You know, I, I, I had asked Denzel today, you know how all of us, I don't care what industry you work in, what vocation, your job, whatever, we all kind of try to play it off, Lincoln. Like, I don't, I don't care about awards. I don't, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not what I'm focused on. I don't want to, I don't think about awards until you get it. And then you realize what it actually did mean to you. You know, when you find, when you get something, uh, a reward or fight it for something like that, then you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I'd asked him, you know, we all do that. We all try to play it off like it doesn't mean anything until it might actually happen. 
And then when it happened, did it, did you realize, hey, this actually did kind of mean something to me? And you know, and he did. And I know we. It's almost like a defense mechanism that we have, so that we don't get let down when it doesn't happen. Uh, but it sure is cool when you do get rewarded, um, you know, for for doing something well. And Denzel Perryman has played at a high level for a long time in his career. His issue. Um, for at, at various times he's he's gotten hurt, so he hasn't injuries. been. Yeah. yeah, injuries added up and, and cut a lot of his seasons short. I remember because he used to be a Charger. I remember playing against him, and I I thought the world of him one game, and then the next round he's not around or he's not playing. But oh, he's injured. You know, but just inconsistencies and injuries have hurt him of not being able to stay on the field. And of course, you know, they talk about the shine of other linebackers, but from a very from a very early part of the season when 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 they acquired him from Carolina. I thought he was special, the the way he was handling things in the middle. And I know a lot of people had made a lot more um, uh, uh, push for K.J. Wright. But as far as a middle linebacker goes, Denzel Perriman has been playing very well. He has played really well. You know who else is playing pretty good, um, Lincoln, is uh, our guy Divine Diablo. Um, yeah, and yes, coming along well. He, yeah. he, I mean, you know, it's come at the expense of uh, Corey Littleton a little right. bit. Um, now, I kind of had a feeling that Corey might uh, come off the field a little bit against Cleveland. They're a run-heavy team um, right. right now. If you look at if you look at Corey Littleton, um, he's one of the smaller linebackers in the league. And right. I'm not just talking about height. I'm talking about girth. Thin, and, and yeah. Weight. Thin. Mm-hmm. You know, so a guy like that sometimes, you know, when you're getting cut out, caught up in, in all the mucky muck with, the, with offensive line attacking you and big backs attacking you, not usually the game for you. So, um, you know, and, and so – he sat in favor of Divine Diablo. And I got to say, you know, he, that dude was making some plays. And he was chasing down some ball carriers. Uh, and he was being physical. Um, it, it looks like, it seems like his, his needle is pointed up right now. Like in- well, I mean, there's a reason why they drafted him. You know, and then they had him in, in sort of in waiting. Um, he, you know, we talked with him uh, not too long ago. And I think it was last week, right? Um, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And he was talking about how he was waiting for his chance. But you applaud a young man. Anytime they get their opportunity to make the best of it. Now, for what it's worth, Corey Littleton struggled his first year with the Raiders and 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 never really looked like the player that we thought we got from the Rams. Uh, and and now I think there's been some setbacks with some injuries this season. He hasn't really played consistent. But in lieu of that, you know, the this this linebacker core was depleted at one particular point by injury, injuries without Kwiatkowski. Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see because Corey was never comfortable calling. Be in the middle linebacker and call into plays the defenses like Denzel Perriman does. Um, KJ Wright has done it, um, but he's not really strong at a middle linebacker. He's more of a Sam or Will. So the fact that Divine can come in there and help cover up the the, the sort of the the dark spot for a linebacker really helps. Yeah, uh, it, it, it does, and um, you got to give Mike Mayock a lot of credit for that for that linebacker room because right. there was a point in time, Lincoln and. Oh, they didn't have anybody. So, right. like, it's still interesting to see what, what I would be interested to see what they do with or what they have with Nicholas Morrow or where they go if they decide to go with him again. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, a really unfortunate injury for for Nicholas, and uh, it was just on such a. I was there in Thousand yeah. Oaks when that happened. It was just like such a um, you know yeah. really that led to this you yeah. know type of thing. But sometimes that's what happens, you know. And unfortunate for him, there's also Javin White um, who's who's going to be in the mix. But I think. Divine Diablo is part of the future. Um, I think um, Denzel Perryman comes back for another year. He's under year under contract another year, so that's that's good that he'll be back. Um, you know, Nicholas Morrow. You hope, although he's only on a one year deal. Lincoln. Oh, so, Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, so. He's, well, I mean, 
Yeah, see that that's where the toughness this is where I don't envy being a general manager because do you take the chance uh, on, on signing a guy or extending a guy? Because obviously, if you're an agent for that player, you're going to push to have an extension or some sort of security or to be let go so you can find a job elsewhere. You know what I mean? Here's the question I have. How the hell do you replace Jonathan Abram at this point? I know that almost seems like, wow, Jonathan Abram, you know, he's played well this year. Yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously not, you know, uh, no. proficient in, in, in pass coverage, but they've done a good but job. They, but they knew that. They, yes. they knew that. And, and there's only there's been very few defenses that have had him exposed. And fortunately for the Raiders, the, the opposing quarterbacks haven't really noticed it or taken advantage of it. Um, I, I, they went with Roger Teamer. In the last game, when after Abram went down, and I, I have not followed other than special teams watching Teamer play. I don't know where he is in that sort of that sort of new position, but I will say this: maybe, maybe. Oh, see, the dime is too small. If they bring in Dalen Levitt, they go with a two safety system. That's too small. You're gonna have people running on you, especially with your weakness at linebacker. So I think it's a big hole. I think you have to you have to depend on Roger Teamer going forward. I wonder, because uh, Divine played safety in college, I wonder if maybe maybe he kind of moves into that more um, slot, or excuse me. Um, that little rover back the, safety the box, Yeah, that yeah. box safety position. That might be for a game. You know, well, I mean, it's not going to be for a game. It's going to be for the rest of the season. Teamer um, is, 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 is a tough dude, man. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I love the energy that he brings and the tenacity he brings, but... Uh, thus far, he's kind of played himself into a couple of injuries. He's got to take it down a little bit of a notch, uh, or just be a little bit more careful in order to be out there on the field. Because he's he's you know there's been a couple of injuries just based on, or or the result of he plays with this reckless abandon, which you love, but you know you you also have to be out on the field. So um, you got to make yourself available. Yeah, I don't see him on the injury list today, but. Uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that your point. Uh, no, no, no. This was point. before. This was. Oh, oh okay. he, he landed he, after a couple of. There was a good game that he had where then he was down for you know three or four games because of an injury. Mm. So um, now more than ever, uh, he has to be he has to be out there because when I look at that safety population, I don't really see. You know, like you said, you bring in Levitt, but you're going to give up something. He's a, yeah. you know, that guy's taken abuse by a lot of Raider fans. They always wonder why he's on the team. Well, all I know is. When I look up, when he's in there, he's usually doing something pretty well. Well, look, he's not one great, the, but he's yeah. No, one of the downfalls for him is his size, and he's not he's not really fast. But to be fair, you know, the system they had him in last year is not really conducive. It's not really a strong system for him, and it's better. They they really asked a lot of him. They asked him to be a free safety. He doesn't have sideline to sideline speed. Okay, so that that was one of the things that hurt him. When they come in with their dime front, which Dalen and Trevor Moore go back for the for the safeties, you know they're 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 they're, they're te- doing a too deep look. He's been able to make plays, but size has definitely hurt him, or lack of size has been his biggest nemesis in, in overall speed. Yeah, uh, Teamer is definitely listed behind Abram, so it looks like uh, you know uh, Roderick, uh, your call. But you know what, I I, I would not be surprised if he delivered i like him uh, as a player and we'll see now he's going to get some consistent snaps right it looks like um you know uh, unfortunately though jonathan you know was kind of coming into his he was playing some tough football out there yeah, yeah. Uh, recently but uh it cost him he's out it's the same shoulder that he hurt as a rookie so yeah. uh, hopefully uh, i saw when he was holding it i yeah. knew i knew it was going to be bad it so. had that look it definitely yep. did uh, Kennedy, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. Likewise, uh, Devon Cotton, thanks for all you do. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Botcher and Lincoln Kennedy brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And by the way, uh, tomorrow will be the last show of the week because you know what Friday is. 
It's Christmas Eve, but that doesn't mean we don't want to see you on Christmas Day over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 o'clock. Let's celebrate Christmas together and start talking about a must-win situation for the Raiders the following day against the Denver Broncos. Rockstar Bar and Grill, 5 p.m. Christmas night.